Hello, friends. Today's episode contains discussions of suicide. We understand that this is a sensitive and difficult topic for many individuals, and we want to ensure that everyone feels safe and supported. Suicide is a complex and deeply personal issue that affects millions of people worldwide. Our intention is not to glamorize or trivialize suicide, but to foster a compassionate and informative conversation about mental health, raising awareness, and promoting understanding. It's important to remember that if you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, it's crucial to seek professional help immediately. Consider reaching out to a mental health professional, a trusted friend, or a helpline in your country. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. Remember, you are not alone. Welcome back, friends. Well, not welcome back. Welcome. Welcome, friends. To the new short run. Yeah. This is a limited series about in the flesh, not into the flesh, as I think I told literally everyone who asked me. I am so sorry. And I've made several remarks about. Yeah. Well, it's in the flesh. Like, here I am in the flesh. Um, I don't know where that came from, but... Misnaming things is sort of it's, it's a, hereditary. It's hereditary. I can't I can't help it. It's like it's a genetic trait. So it happened. Here we are now. We are reviewing the correct show, which is in the flesh, starting season one, episode one, which was released in two thousand and thirteen. Happy ten year anniversary. Right. And I watched this when it came out. I watched the first season mm-hmm. and then I watched the second season when it finally aired. And I have to say, it was poignant when I watched it in 2013, and holy fucking shit, is it extra poignant 10 years later. Yeah. Yeah. This is ground that needs to be trod, and I hate that it still feels like this needs to be trod (laughs) 10 years later. (laughs) Um, But before we get started, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. So I think it's important to just get this out of the way up front, which is there's absolutely no way to discuss this show without having some kind of political commentary. And the types of commentary that this show invites are the types where there are not, there is no middle ground. The middle ground is itself a side. So you have to choose. I think this show itself is a political commentary. It is, which is why it's impossible to avoid it. I mean, when yeah. we're talking fluffy vampire detectives who occasionally try to make a social commentary, but mostly just fuck that up, it's cool to be funny and to have fun and play around with that. But there are some serious overtones in this movie show that invite serious commentary. And Especially in reflection of the last three years. Uh, yes. 
Yes. So we, I think, stand on the side of the highest moral good is to bring more joy and love and kindness to the universe. And reduce suffering, if at all possible. I think that's evident from the way we review some pretty horrible movies, that it is important to increase the amount of positivity in discussions, to increase the amount of kindness and... Compassion. Compassion. That's a good way. Thank you. And growth. And growth and understanding and accepting the fact that we are all sovereign individuals who have the right to our choices so long as those choices do not harm others. And that that is a tenant I think we can all stand behind, even in situations where it might make you uncomfortable. And often that discomfort is from a lack of understanding. So increasing understanding decreases decreases discomfort and increases compassion. So it's important to learn and educate yourself and have hard discussions about the kinds of things you've been avoiding simply because they make you uncomfortable. And to be educated by the people you may have been ignoring. Right. Yes. I think that's one of the most important things we can do as an ally is remember that it is not our voice. We are supporting the voices of the people in the community. We are not talking for them. Right. But we're going to talk about this show, and I think it's going to be quite evident where Matt and I fall, which is be who you are and love who and what you love, whether that's same-sex couples, asex couples, polyamorous couples, uh, partially um, deceased groups. suffering. Yeah, I mean, what, Sorry. thruples, quadru- whatever, whatever floats your boat, man, as long as everybody's in on it and it's all consensual, live your best life. Okay. I know that was really serious, but I just wanted to get it out there. But like, we don't normally talk about political stuff. I don't avoid it intentionally. It just. And we don't usually deliberately have the conversations. We have some deep conversations. Yeah. About lots of different things, but they usually just come up in the moment. Right. This one we're kind of engaging with deliberately, which is kind of a shift from our usual format. But that's okay. Um, I mean, what a zombie show, right? Right. What a zombie. Who? I I love oh, just this beautiful, beautiful idea of let's take zombies and let's find out not what happens when they rise, not what happens when we finally subdue them, but what happens, I think it's four years later, when they're all getting integrated back into society because we figured out how to make them people again. Fucking brilliant, right? Not only that, let's add this multi-layered main character who didn't just die. They committed suicide. And then they have to come back. And they have to... And especially since he had made it clear before he died that he wanted to be cremated. Right. So not only did he come back against his will... 
his remains were not treated the way that he communicated when he was alive. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We got Hugely, a lot of like, layers. Yeah, and I know there's more to it, but we are going to confine our discussion to the episode we just watched and previous episodes. So if you've already watched it and you're wondering why we're not talking about the other giant fucking elephant in the room, it's because it's still behind the curtain. So that's where we start off, is we start off in him as a zombie, a partially deceased syndrome sufferer. I think... Analogous to our Forever Night episodes, we start off with, with the violent yeah, murder. The murder. This is the last person that he killed when he was, quote, rabid. Or untreated. Untreated. They refer to it as both, rabid and untreated. And this is what he keeps flashing back to over and over and over again. And it's vivid and it's difficult for him to remember and he has no say over whether or not it pops up in his head. So not only does he have to live with the idea that for an indeterminate amount of time, he literally ran around killing people and eating their brains, but he has to relive it over and over and over again while people are telling him, oh, no, you're not a zombie. You're a partially right. so deceased now we're hitting syndrome sufferer. mental health themes in yeah, the show too absolutely he so, has intrusive thoughts yeah persistent intrusive thoughts which are very much dismissed because when we start out he's talking to like a counselor and he's like i am not ready to go back i am struggling with these memories they are increasingly vivid and i really just don't think it's a good idea for me to reintegrate and the guy's like mm-hmm, yeah okay so it's fine no that means you are ready yeah, that means if you're not ready, that means if you're thinking you're not ready, that means you are ready because it means you're thinking and feeling. So good job, man. Aren't you glad you are like responsive to the medication? Because if you weren't, we would um take care of you. Take care of you. Yeah. All right. So we're starting the show off heavy. Yeah. I mean, really. And then he walks out the door and there's literally like a line all the way around the building, up and down on both sides of the hallway of the like corridor of partially deceased syndrome sufferers waiting to see a counselor about whether or not they're ready to go home. So you get the idea that this was a large in scope zombie outbreak. Yep. And in fact, it wasn't really an outbreak. It was the rising. So at some point in, in the years past, Everyone who passed away, I think in 2009. 2009 was when the rising occurred. Yeah. So anyone who had been recently buried in the ground in 2009. Just came back. Just popped up. Popped up like daisies and went, went wild. And we keep seeing references to the HVF, which are the Human Volunteer Forces which we find out started in Rorton, which is where Kiernan is from. Kieran? Kieran. 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 I love the way the, we can't say it the way the British guys say it. It's like a, there's a rolling R in the middle. Sounds really pretty, but I love that his last name is Walker. Right. Like in The Walking Dead, aren't they called Walkers? Yes. Yeah. 
It's supposed to be a pun. It's supposed to be a pun. Yeah. Like they like they needed to put something marginally humorous in this. Right. Yeah. I uh, just checked the dates. Walking Dead was on season three at this point. Seriously? That's how long The Walking Dead has been on? It first aired in 2010. Oh, my God. I watched one episode of The Walking Dead. <laughs> um, because it didn't have this depth, right? I'm not... I like zombies fine. Right. It, Walking Dead was more of an action adventure. Right. I'm, I like zombies fine, but I like it when we do something more interesting with zombies than, oh, no, they're everywhere and they're going to eat us. Right. Because it could uh, be, you could replace zombies with almost any other right, monster. Right. Be like, oh, there's werewolves everywhere. They're going to eat us. Okay. Well, it's the same plot. You know, oh, there's vampires everywhere and they're going to eat us. Well, it's 30 days of night. I mean, oh, whatever. Okay. It's fine. Um, but we continue on. We see them leaving. We He goes through this line, and he gets up to the, the desk, and the guy goes, blue or brown? And he's like, what? What? Blue or brown? Were your eyes blue or brown? Because they don't look human. They look like zombies. They're like pale. And this guy's tired of his job. Right. He's like, what color were your eyes, blue or brown? Like, there's only two options. Like, uh. like there's only two options. Right. Well, um, hazel, green, I don't know. He's like uh, brown, I guess, brown. So he gets brown contacts and uh, flesh-toned moose concealer. Yeah. Yeah. And we also get introduced to his roommate who takes something. So they're getting ready to go and he get... He snorts something right before he goes to get his dose. Right, because they get dosed every day with this thing that encourages new neural growth, which they can't do anymore. And his roommate takes something. We don't know what, but when he gets his dose, he like freaks out, bites a nurse, and disappears. But not before he gives him a piece of paper that has a URL on it. And a password. Is it Undead Liberation Army? Dot co dot uk. Dot uk. Right. And a password, which is Revelations 118. Did you look it up? Because I looked it up. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Relevant. Yeah. Revelant. Revelant. Is that what they quote in the um, season one, episode four, for I have sinned? Oh, no, last act is episode four. I think season episode three is for I have sinned of forever night. When he says, I hold the keys of perdition and of death. It's probably a different translation. Yeah. yeah. So it's basically, we're setting the whole first episode. I mean, we could talk through it, but really it's the whole first episode is setting up um, that there is two sides. And Kiernan doesn't even know there are sides. Kieran. 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 That's just like into the flesh. I'm sorry. It is literally genetic. My mother can't remember the name of anything to save her life. We all just know what her name for things is. I saw a thing about this on Instagram the other day. I was like, the great thing about ADHD is you can't remember the words for things. <laughs> so we all play a game I like to call ADHD charades, where you have to describe <laughs> what the thing is. <laughs> no, she just makes up a name right, for it. Right, she just makes up a name for and it. And then you have to remember that that's like, she has a birdbath. And then that's fixed. Yeah, she has a birdbath. 
She has never once referred to this birdbath as a birdbath. She has had this birdbath since I was a sophomore in high school. So like 20 years. It is the fishbowl. And you have to remember when she says something is in the fishbowl, it's in the birdbath. The birdbath that doesn't look like a fishbowl. That fish doesn't even look like a fishbowl. No, it's copper. It's not glass in any way. You just have to remember that that's the name for the thing. She can't help it. There was a thrift store near us that was named, it had a name, but she kept calling it La Trusa. That's what she named it. That was the name of it. And so when she called it La Trusa, that's where you were going. And the Chinese restaurant? I'm not saying that one. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I am sorry. It is, I love my mother to death, and she certainly doesn't mean it, but every every Chinese restaurant is Wing Wong's. And... I know how that sounds. I know exactly what that sounds like. I don't think she means it that way. It's literally like mom shorthand for Chinese restaurant. But I digress. Um, so if Rachel messes up on some names of things, just give her some slack. Yeah, give me at least I'm trying. Okay. At least <laughs> at least I didn't resort to I'm not going to say it again, but the generic name for a Chinese restaurant that my mother has dubbed them all. I at least say like China Garden or something. <laughs> but what we're setting up is the the structure, the structure with which we're going to move through this world from here on out, which is we had an outbreak. It got subdued. The people that were suffering from partially deceased suffer syndrome suffering suffering. The sufferers of partial Just call disease. it PDS. Yeah, PDS. The PDS sufferers, thank you, um, I was spiraling there. Um, the PDS sufferers have all been siloed. So they've been in treatment facilities for some period of time. And there are really no longer roaming bands of PDS sufferers. So society has begun to heal in the way that I think only British society ever could which is we just go back to business as usual. And disregard that it ever happened. Just keep a stiff upper lip. I was going to say, keep a stiff upper lip and just move on with life. Except in Rorton, which was ground zero for the civilian defense. Because they had a major outbreak and nobody came to their help. Nobody came to help them. And they had to defend themselves. With a... Well-regulated militia. And this has created a hotbed of speciesism, racism. Patriotism? Hate. 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 This has created a hotbed of hate. Hate towards anyone who is still rabid or who is treated. It doesn't matter. They are anyone Drugs with, or no drugs. Drugs or no drugs. They are all still evil. And this includes Kirin's beloved little sister, Jem. One of the stars of the HV, HVF. HVF, yeah. So when he comes back, his parents have to sneak him in the house because they are terrified that people are going to find out that he's home and that they're going to come for him. And so the whole ride back, his dad is like, well, you missed a lot of good movies. I went ahead and I went on a, a buying spree. I bought 
I bought all the Blu-ray DVD discs for you. I bought a Blu-ray player. I bought all these board games. We're going to yeah. have so much fun and you're never going to want to leave the house. It's the weirdest You're never going to have to leave. You're never going to have to leave. And Kieran's like, well, am I not going to, can I not leave the house? And they're like, well, you know what? Can, can I call up my old high school friends? This is sad. I mean, it's not sad, but oh, is it poignant? Because mm. he gets snuck in and... He gets in his room and then he finally comes down and they're having dinner and he's like, um, I don't eat anymore. I don't eat anymore. And so his mom has made lamb, which is his, his favorite, favorite dish, but he can't eat it. So he just pretends. He plays along. No, it's really cute. And then his sister comes home and he gets up and he gets this really excited look on his face. But then she's just like, I'm not coming in there if that's still in there. Yeah. And so he leaves and goes upstairs. I mean, his sister's a little bit abrasive in this episode. And given the context that he killed himself and didn't even leave a note. Right. She's not just upset because she's been indoctrinated by the HVF. No, there's layers. This show is layers. This show is a motherfucking onion. She has not processed no. Her grief. How could you? Plus, there's the whole tied-in part of of someone who has completed suicide and the feelings of the people who are left behind of a little bit betrayal because it's hard not to feel like the person who left should have reached out more or so that you could have helped more. I mean, as like personally, uh, I'm a big helper. I help a lot of like I help people. That's what I like to do. And so losing someone in that way would feel like, did you not know that I would have been here for you? Did you not? Did you take our relationship so for granted that you didn't want to talk to me about that? And then that person comes back and you have to confront those feelings in front of their face. Right, like as suicide as a an escape. Yeah. Right, from an unbearable existence. You successfully escape, and then you're thrust back. Yeah. Into the life that you wanted to leave. With all the people who just went through what you put them through. What, what right. was, what they experienced because of your decision. And, oof. And who, you're... Oof. That's a lot. And not only did you come back to that, but you came back as a rabid brain-eating machine that roamed about your own town because you came back from the cemetery they buried you in, which was in your home. So you very likely killed or hurt people that they loved. It's this is that's this show has layers. That's why I like this show cuz someone was right. like, "Let's Put some zombies in a show and ask some really difficult questions. And this is what sci-fi fantasy is really, really good at. And it's what it's really, really for. Right. Like as a form of literature, media, that's what it's for. It's for exploring, exploring things. Yeah. Where you shift the context. It's a good way of exploring consequences. 
decisions and consequences in what feels like a sandbox setting. Right. Because this didn't happen. These characters don't exist. There was no rising in 2009. Although it sort of feels like we're living in a post-apocalyptic world in 2023. Um, This didn't happen. But this is a way for us to, what if it did? And what if these very specific set of circumstances led to this situation where this family is in this house with a person they thought was gone, and now they are They knew was gone. Yeah. And buried them and grieved them. Yeah. And now they're back. Now they are back. And where do we go from here? And if that wasn't enough, we add a whole religious angle because the... Head of the church is the head of the town. And so they are in the rural North England. Yeah. And a lot of these dynamics feel very similar to being in the rural south of the U.S. I, oh, I just made like a, oh my God, yes face. Not that kind of, oh my God, yes face, but the bad kind Later. of, oh my God, yes. <laughs> the bad kind of, oh my God, yes face, where it's like, oh, yes, very much so. Yeah. Where the leader of the church steers the community. And I have to say, the actors who play the head of the church, dang, I keep hitting my mic thing. The actor who plays the head of the church and the actor who plays the head of the HVF are hate. A bull. Boy, do you love to not like them. Right. They are doing a great job with their characters. Yeah. Because I, you, you, there's a visceral reaction to these characters. And it's tied up a lot in my experience with these types of people. The I am set in my ways and I know best. And this model of behavior that worked for me before is the model of behavior that I will cling to because I will not accept that change is inevitable, necessary, and positive. And boy, is it triggering. A little bit triggering. Right. You grew up around it. I'm from up north. Yeah. Yeah, and I grew up down here. and it's different. Very much that way. And I have met these people before. And then I get to see them on the screen doing exactly the kind of stuff I think they would do if presented with this situation. With a British accent. With a British accent, which is I cannot remodel life. I hated zombies. I'm going to hate zombies. Whether or not zombies are good or bad. I can't change my mind now or I would have to admit that I'm wrong. Right. And that is the worst possible thing that could ever happen to you is to be wrong Because then your dick falls off. Or shrinks or something. No, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but if an old white man admits that whatever position he's taken is the incorrect one, dick just falls right off. Or at least they believe it. No, I think it actually happened. Because there are some old white men that do admit that they're wrong. Well, it's psychosomatic, right? So once oh, you okay. yeah, so once you've gotcha. come to the realization that hey, I can evolve and grow just like every other organism in nature. So let me do that. You can do it. But if you're stuck in your ways and you're forced to admit you're wrong, 
Can't help it. The uh, the cognitive dissonance just slices right through your core, slices your dick right off. Matt's Googling it, but he's going to find out I'm right. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking up a quote. The very things that make you so intelligently adaptive simultaneously make you vulnerable to self-deceptive, self-destructive behavior. Yeah. Do not bullshit thyself is quote, my John highest Dervakey. tenet. Do not bullshit thyself. Don't lie to yourself about who you are and what you believe. That is the path to becoming the two people in this show that I hate the most. <laughs> Don't. If you feel like you're lying to yourself about something, figure out what you're lying about and figure out why. And the the head of the HVF, um, at the very end of this episode, yeah. he gets a challenge to his bullshitting himself. Yeah. So you can't really lie to yourself. No. You can bullshit yourself, which is you intentionally focus on some th- details to the point that the truth becomes irrelevant to you. Yeah. So you you don't lie to yourself. You focus on something else so hard that you're just not paying attention to the truth anymore. Yeah. And then you can basically do anything right. to your, your reason-making systems. You can literally get so far into that, you can't get back out again. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's cognitive quicksand. This guy has been bullshitting himself. I, he stepped up when his community had a crisis, and he led the charge, but he's not keeping up with reality. Yeah, he can't put the, the banner down. So he ha- with the decrease of the actual threat, he's had to bullshit himself into yeah. maintaining these beliefs and worldview positions despite the evidence that the world is a different place than it was, you know, a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Yes. And he's been maintaining this. And then he finds out there's a rehabilitated PDS sufferer in his hometown. Yep. He leads a group, shoots her in the back of the head and goes home. What a scene that is. And then finds out his son, his son who died in Afghanistan, is coming home as a rehabilitated PDS sufferer. Right. And wow. Like, yeah. could you set a better hook for Ooh. that character's development? Yeah, this show is a good show. It is Good. That scene, so leading up to it, we have a council meeting where they're really just discussing, are we allowed to dress up for Halloween? But that's, but that's after the that, superficial Yeah, Philip, who topic. is the son of one of the ally characters. So she got the opportunity to help her community treat PDS sufferers who were returning to Roarton, and she took it, and she got trained for three weeks. And they're like, oh, um. And she doesn't know how to use the injector. Right. They're like, oh, uh, really? And she goes, yeah, long time, huh? And she's looking at the instructions to put together the injector. And 
um, Philip works on the council. He's like the council secretary. And Philip is this nurse's son. Right. And then um, the church leader, who is the head of the council, recognizes that Philip is on the side of the HVF. Let's call him that. He's on the side of the HVF. And he's like, so does your mom still work at that hospice place? And Philip's like, yeah, she goes every day. And he's like, you know, that's you thought. funny. He's like, you know, that's funny because I'm up there a lot and I don't ever see her. I haven't seen in, her in, in months. In fact, I asked and she gave her notice. Yeah, I, she gave her notice months ago. Maybe you should talk to her about it or maybe just, you know, figure out what's going on. What's what's going on there? And then that's one of our funnier scenes in the episode. Which what uh, nowadays, this is the whole meme. Yeah. Of covering up internet activity that you don't want people to know about. Like, oh, I had to look up the definition of the word actually or something. Mm -hmm. And oh, no, I was looking at pornography. Yeah, because his right. mom catches him looking because at Because it would her be computer. more shameful for you to admit this other thing yeah. that is actually fine. Right. But, you know, yeah. shame, guilt, whatever. Yeah, because he's trying to access problem. a file on her computer and it has a password. And she catches him typing on her computer and she's like, what are you doing on my laptop? And he's like, um, watching pornography. I actually think I'm a sex addict, but I'm quitting cold turkey right now. She's like, okay, just... um." Scan for viruses when you're done. I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> it's like the, you're like, ha, oh, you want to chuckle, but at the same time, it's in the middle of such a shit storm. You're just like, oh, I don't know if I can. Well, and so looking back at that now, they are just coming out of a pandemic. Yeah. Oh, my God. That, I just, I didn't even realize that added a whole nother layer of. Right. So yeah. the, okay. <laughs> The 2013's perspective on what, like, day-to-day behavior changes would have happened after being on lockdown yeah. for a couple of years, and now things are opening back up. The threat is reduced, at least. Yeah. And now we're kind of opening up the view on oh all these people have developed all these weird behaviors from being isolated yeah and on lockdown for a couple of years um and so okay it, this mom is like totally understandable that you would have trouble with pornography yeah after being locked in locked down for 2 years and not being able to go date or anything like that. Take care of yourself. Just yeah, and then don't take cause care of any my trouble. And then take care of my laptop. Thanks ever so like, much. Good job, mom. Good job. Don't be judgy. Just yeah. I think the most poignant example of how thin the veneer of civility is over the society at this point is when they find out that someone is coming to their cul-de-sac that the HVF is coming to their cul-de-sac because they have gotten word that there's a PDS sufferer in a house in this cul-de-sac. Right, and Jem has the walkie-talkie. Right, and Jem, to her, her credit, immediately chooses her family and her brother. Right, she because comes she back. just had the emotional connection with her right. brother. She did. She just had the discussion of like, if you're really my brother, tell me something only he would know. And he tells her he made her first heavy metal 
mixtape CD. Mix. He calls and, it a mixtape CD. And she's like, well, then why did you fucking kill yourself and not leave a note? Right. You're like, oof. And that is out of fucking left field. Right. And so all of the aggression and animosity that she's been showing her brother. Yeah. All of the You stuff thought it was driving, about the PDS? You thought she was indoctrinated by the HVF. Yeah. But no. No. It was because she's angry. Yeah. At her brother. Yeah. Yes. Understandably. Yes. And, but she chooses him and she comes right. back and she's like, mom, dad, they're coming for him. And they're like, suit up, motherfucker. And they all go out to the shed. <laughs> get the zombie and survival get kit. Their, get their <laughs> weapons. He gets a cricket, cricket bat, bat with nails in it. And the mother, the mild mannered mother who is still wearing her little cardigan jumper thing, gets a chainsaw. And Jem gets a, like a 45, this is like a hand cannon, the gun she right. gets out. And she's like loading it and they're like, okay, we got to be ready. Like, okay, we're going to defend him. We're going to do this. And they hear a doorbell ring. But I love it because it's a like, okay, you thought this was mild-mannered British mom and dad, Rick, and I think like Mary or something, the very generic names, mm-hmm. mom and dad, Walker, were... They were making him meat. They were commenting about it. She had Yorkshire puddings on the plate. They made him lamb. But these are the people that survived. Yes. These are the the people that survived the zombie uprising is what happened. And for a reason. And now they think their son is threatened and they're back in battle mode. But no, they go across the street. And they come and get Jem. They're like, come on, don't you want to see what's right? The- come out and have a it's like old times. Let's do it. Oh, again. hey, this is right across from Jem's house. I'll go get her. Yeah. Since she didn't answer the walkie talkie. So they pull this sweet old lady out, Maggie. And it, the guy who we have been setting up as a villain the whole time. Right. He, well. Yeah, because okay, we so see the- him looking at them through the blinds. Oh, yes. Yeah. We've been yeah. setting up as. He's he's watching them. Yeah. He's that guy he's on the also, block. He's also at the church meeting when the minister comes. To, minister meaning like minister of the government comes to talk to them about the, the partial deceased sufferers domicile inclusion act or something. Like we're sending them back out to live with people. And there's been a protection act passed. So you're not allowed to kill them anymore. That's now illegal. Um, so we have put legal protections in place, and everyone's like, uh, yeah, okay. Um, do you good really, luck with that. Good fucking luck with that. You are in, like, legal Which romance land, man. is really poignant now. Oh, my God. I it hurts how poignant this is, right? In 2013, you're like, oh, this is so extreme. This is so extreme. This would never happen. And now you're like, oh, this is Florida. Right. This is Florida. This is Florida. Oh, okay. This is Texas. This is North Carolina. Yeah. This is, I don't know, like Alabama, Mississippi. And some northern states. Yeah. Yeah. A depressing number of states. Yes. And you're like, oof. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. This is believable. I, I don't feel like this is extreme. They run him out of the meeting. They run the minister out. This guy runs the minister out of the meeting because he's like, well, what are you going to do about them being in our homes? Which is probably a little bit of a cover so that nobody will suspect him. Mm-hmm. 
Because if he had stopped going to meetings and he had stopped, you know, pressing for them to not be sent home, they'd be like, right. well, why? Oh, why the what sudden cha- shift in behavior? What changed? And it turns out his wife, his wife that had died of old age came back home. And the bad guy is going to kill her. And he's like, well, hang on, actually. Why do your eyes look like mine? She's like, well, because I'm wearing contacts. And she ends up taking the contacts out. And, of course, she has zombie eyes. And then he's like, that's better. And then he shoots her in the face. Well, he walks around and shoots her in the back. Shoots her. And then Kieran is like, oh, holy shit. My parents told me to come on home. That everything's going to be be fine. fine. Everything is not fine. And that's more or less how this this episode ends. Is, oh shit, he has been brought home to a place that is so anti-zombie, they will kill him even though he's like walking and talking and okay now. Right. He looks like a person. He acts like a person. He talks like a person. And he has all the memories of the person that he is. And... They are still willing Despite to kill Despite that. Him. Yeah. Because of an involuntary condition that he had. No say in. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's... it's That's one heck of a start to a three-episode season one. Right. And they canceled it, I'm pretty sure, after season one. And there was like a movement to bring it back. And then we got season two, which has more episodes. But then they canceled it again. But holy damn, this hits hard. It hit hard when I watched it the first time, but boy, does this hit harder now. Because this is the trans like kid. Every well. analog conversation for what's happening right now yeah. is so much, um, I don't know, what's a good word? Louder, more just disgust. Yeah. Yeah, all of yeah. the analogs the, are actually the being talked about it. The, now. the froth of hate in the culture right now is very analog to this. This is the trans kid at school. Mm-hmm. This is the lesbian kid at school. This is the gay kid. Oh yeah, at school. this is this is really analogous to someone transitioning. Yeah, absolutely. Because and, now they come back and they look different. Yeah, and, and now we just have yeah. to accept them for who they are now and forget who they were before because now they are. You forget what they were like in their untreated state. Yeah. And you have to let that go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you have to reframe them in your mind as who they are now. this is getting more and more. Oof. Relevant. Wow, this is going to make the rest of the series really <laughs> difficult to watch. But it's an important conversation. Yeah. It's an important conversation. The effect of hate on a society, the people in that society, on the way the society functions, on the way the society is perceived, all of it. It's a very important discussion. Because hate is a very important controlling force. Hate is blinding. And if you can be blinded by hate, you can be led anywhere in that darkness. Yep. And I think that's especially poignant now 
And I think it's especially poignant in this series that most of the hate, I mean, we know there's the bad guy, the head of the HVF, but there's also the head of the church who is ultimately the one pulling the strings of the puppet, who is the HVF guy. And that feels really, really poignant. Because right now, the strings that are directing the actions of so many people are religious. Trace them far enough back, and there is a religious leader holding the strings. And I'm not saying that's the only source for that type of behavior, but it certainly is an overwhelming source of that type of behavior. And the fact that they included that in this is probably why it didn't make it past season one without right. getting a season two, even in 2013. And you want to know the, the worst part about this? You could not make this show now. Why not? Because it is, first of all, it's a LGBTQIA plus positive show. Positive, it has representation. And that's really hard to... I mean, I think on streaming services, because we have streaming services, okay. Yeah, you might still make this show now. Right, but it's like, I don't know, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything. Can you imagine that being in theaters right now? Oh, no. Not as like a Hollywood movie. That's a 90s movie. There is no greater shame for for our culture in general than the AIDS crisis and the way we dealt with that. And that's the 90s. Or didn't deal with it. Or didn't deal with it. And that's the 90s. And then right now, you couldn't make a movie that you could make in the 90s? Think about that for just a second. Literally, people would not get diagnosed with HIV because there was such a stigma against treating it. It was better for a doctor to turn them away sick than it was for them to treat it. And yet, they could make a movie that we could not play in theaters now. Target just had to take their pride collection off the shelf because of the threat of domestic terrorism. That's horrific. That's dystopian. That's not sandbox bullshit. That's right now, and that's real life. And we can talk about sci-fi, and we can talk about fantasy and horror all we like, and that's fine. Story is super important in a culture. But we have to apply the lessons that we learn from those stories, too. Right. This gives us... The sci-fi fantasy, this is a different world. Yeah. And they're having this problem, which we can have a dialogue about. We can dig into how things work um, and maybe how you might fix things or improve the situation. But the entire purpose of that is as a an analog for what's actually happening. So yeah. this this sci-fi fantasy world is a safe place to have that conversation. Yes. You can have a conversation. You can hash out concepts. You can kind of work out dialogues that might help. But then the whole purpose of that is as a tool, an exploratory tool, a developmental tool, to bring that back in and actually make the real world a better place. Exactly. Yeah. So we have a lot more episodes to discuss. So 
so we're not going to go any farther tonight. But just the Strange and Beautiful Network as a whole is a safe place for everybody. Because again, increasing the total amount of kindness and compassion and love in the universe is the highest good. That is important. There is no greater calling than that. Because if we don't leave the world a gentler, softer, more kind place than we came to it, what did we contribute? That's the question that people need to be asking themselves. Because you don't get to take your money with you. Nobody gets to take a U-Haul to the cemetery. So what kind of baggage are you packing to leave for the people who get to unpack it after you're gone? And I kind of feel like if my legacy is kindness, that's a pretty good legacy and I'll take it. So. So remember. Sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful, too. So be who you are and love what you love and who you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.